Thanks for listening to the Frontiers podcast. If you have a moment before we start, please rate and follow this podcast. It makes a huge difference. The more of you that do this, the more people get to listen. And the more people that get to listen, the bigger platform I'm building for academics to share their research. Thanks so much. Hi there. You're listening to Frontiers, the podcast that explores cutting-edge research from the world's best scientists. I'm Ian Hallett, and in each episode, I interview professors, doctors, and research scientists who are leading authorities in technology, economics, business, politics, the environment, and sociology, so we can learn about the scientific breakthroughs that will redefine our world. I wanted to follow up on the conversation I had with Professor Marogien of Wharton School, where he was talking about demographic, environmental and technological changes that are colliding to create a different type of world to the one that we recognize today. I followed that up with some of my own research as part of my own PhD program to try and understand the dynamics of population growth and economic growth. If you think about, first of all, our experience of gross domestic product, so the measure of the economy and world population. If you take the last decade, 50 years, even even centuries, what you'll see as the population of the world has grown, so has the gross domestic product of the world. And it's a very linear chart. And actually, the correlation between the two is nearly perfect. So what it basically says is all you need to do in order to grow the GDP of the world is to grow the population of the world. So it kind of implies that there's a causality between the growth in world GDP and the growth in world population. But that's not actually how it's going to play out. And these are some of the things that Professor Guillaume was getting across in the discussion with him. So this is what we think happens. People spend money to live, meaning that businesses sell more goods and services, and the government receives more tax income and builds new infrastructure. These new goods and services and infrastructure build the foundations of economics, of the economy, such as healthcare, education, and jobs. Infant mortality improves. People live longer, work for longer, pay more taxes, buy more goods and services, develop new industries resulting in higher GDP, and so it continues. That's what we have all experienced in our lives. But population is growing in part because people are living longer as economies become richer. So governments have more money per person to invest in critical infrastructure and healthcare and the death rates reduce. And there's, all, again, an almost perfect correlation between the gross domestic product per person in the country and the death rate in each country. So not surprisingly, the richer the country, the lower the death rate. And this, it is very significant, the difference between the two. So for example, if you take the richest countries in the world, their death rate will be almost 30%, nearly 40% actually, better, lower than some of the poorest countries in the world. So there is today across the world an inequality of life expectancy. And if I give you two examples, so Central African Republic have a life expectancy of 53 years, whereas Japan's life expectancy is 83, so 30 years longer. So that we can see the inequality within the wealth of the countries. Over time, as each country gets richer, their death rate should reduce and their population will increase. All things remain equal on the other things such as births. And this is exactly what we've experienced for for decades. 
So what's then happening, though, is that as countries become richer, fertility rate reduces. That means that each woman, on average, is having fewer children. And there are three big drivers of this. So firstly, the empowerment of women, so that increases access to education and labour market participation. The second is declining child mortality. So parents give birth to more children in poorer countries than they actually want to ensure against the loss of children. Clearly, the richer the country, the lower the child mortality because they've got better infrastructure to, to save babies when they're very young. And actually, what you've also got is a third driver, which is the rising cost of bringing up children. And the trend for fertility rates is remarkably similar to death rates. So what it basically shows is that the richer the country, the fewer births per woman actually happen. And at an individual country level and also at a global level, if death rates don't change, if they stay stay the same, fertility rates of around 2.1 children per woman would result in a population staying about the same. But again, this is not how it's playing out. So death rates have actually stabilized at about 7.5 deaths per 1,000 population over the tenure. over the last 10 years for rich countries. But fertility rates have declined by over 10% in the same period and they continue to to decline. And what's really interesting is that the richest countries in the world, each woman is currently having 1.6 children on average per woman. And within three generations, that points to a 24% reduction in population. That's assuming the death rate stays the same. Whereas women in low-income countries have... More children on average, it's 4.8 for the lowest income countries in the world, 4.8 children per woman. That's compared to, as I said, 1.6 children per woman in high income countries. So you can see that as the data is displaying, death rates get lower, the richer the country, birth rates get lower, the richer the country. Importantly, death rates over time stabilize because everyone's going to die at some point. And there's limited mileage to go with that. Birth rates continue to fall. And some countries such as Japan have birth rates much, much lower than 2.1 children per woman. And that's more like 1.3 to 1.5 women per children. So if you take just three countries as an example, I've already spoken about Japan, but Japan, Italy and Germany, actually their birth rates have been lower than 2.1 children per woman since the 1970s. So there's a structural underlying not enough babies problem within those three countries. And this exists in lots of other countries, but I wanted to share those three because it's very stark. And what's actually been helping them is, generally speaking, uh, immigration has been helping, particularly in Germany and Italy. But the trend is very clear where you look at births minus deaths in those countries. So you get the birth rate reducing significantly, and you get the death rate stabilizing because those countries are, are rich. To the point that in all three countries in the last 25 years, there's been more deaths than births uh, in each of those countries every single year for the last 20 years or so. Which means that by definition, the population is structurally falling. And the population trends for Italy, Japan and Germany really play it out. And what it basically says is that if if this continues, the UN expects a 41% reduction in the population of Japan, a 37% reduction in the total population of Italy, and a 17% reduction in Germany. 
So this is a real problem. So the only thing that you've got then to pull, if you're trying to get an economy to grow, and remember we were talking earlier about population growth drives economic growth, and it does, or it has in the past, but if you've got a population declining, the only opportunity you've got to at least maintain the economy is to increase your productivity. So how much economic activity has been generated per person. But again, that's not proving out to actually work. So again, looking at Italy, Japan, and Germany, over the last 10 years, Germany's GDP per person, their productivity has only improved by 0.7% each year. In Italy, it's actually reduced by 0.2% each year. And Japan's got the same as Germany, which is 0.7% a year. So in 2021, researchers at the Japan Center for Environmental Science and their National Institute for Environmental Studies developed a model based on five population growth and productivity scenarios. I'm just going to read out the conclusion from the study, and it says, this is for Japan, remember, even in the most optimistic scenario, assuming a massive influx of immigrants and fast productivity growth, the GDP growth rate becomes negative in the 2090s. In the most pessimistic scenario, the GDP growth rate becomes negative in 2028 and continues to decline. As a result, Japan's GDP decreases to the level of the 1970s by 2100. The improvement of productivity cannot offset the GDP shrink caused by demographic changes. So this is pointing to a very different world. And as I said, Japan is not unique. It's happening in most Western countries. So what happens is the balance of power will start to shift. And it won't take very long. It could just be a few decades where the balance of power is shifting towards countries that are doing two things. Firstly, their population's growing and their GDP per capita is growing at the same time. And actually, if you look at what's likely to be the powerhouses of the future by the end of the century, we're really talking about the African nations. So Nigeria has a forecasted population of 545 million people. Ethiopia is expected to be over 300 million. Egypt is expected to be 200 million. And what's interesting to note is that the expected birth rate in each of those countries expects to fall below two children per woman over the same period, illustrated by perceived expected improvement in GDP per capita. So big shifts of economic power and population power is going to move, which has been over the last, let's say, 20 or 30 years, from the Western economies to China and Asian countries, including India, which over the coming years will shift into African nations. And I've given Nigeria, Ethiopia, and Egypt as the examples. So the pattern is really clear. As countries get richer, death rates gradually start to exceed birth rates. Populations fall. The overall population gets older and the working population becomes proportionally smaller. GDP per capita stagnates and then declines and GDP falls as a result. Now, understanding these dynamics clearly is a very difficult thing to do because these are, these are imperceptible changes from year to year. We don't really notice what's going on. But if you're a policymaker, if you're running a company and you're not participating, for example, in some of the African nations, then that may be an opportunity for you to have a look at. 
if you're a policymaker in one of the countries where you are clearly expecting stagnation of productivity and a reduction in birth rates to the point that it's lower than death rates, you're going to have a falling population and a falling economy, and maybe in an economy that can't pay its for its population. There are clearly significant ramifications that that come to fore as a result of those things. So just wanted to share those kind of insights with you. I hope you're able to follow that. Um, some really good conversation with uh, Professor Mario Guillem, which kind of prompted me to look a little bit further at this. I do have more research that connects this to climate change uh, because actually population growth and climate change do come hand in hand apart from some really interesting examples, particularly in the Nordics regions. But I'll leave that for another time. So hope this has been interesting. As I always say, connect with me on LinkedIn, ask questions there. If If you've got any thoughts or any feedback, I'd love to hear it. But until next time, thanks so much. Thank you so much for listening. To support this podcast, please follow it on whatever platform you're using. It makes a huge difference. Thank you again. Hope to see you next time.